I work here at the Lewis Center for Regional Policy Studies, and we are thrilled to have you here tonight for a very special event. Our research center works on how people live, move, and work in Los Angeles, and we're super thrilled to have such a great cultural outlet with this new podcast. So you can check us out on our website, um, on Twitter, at UCLA Lewis Center. And without further ado, let's welcome our host, Alyssa Walker, Scott Frazier, and Hayes Davenport! <laughs> Hi guys, thank you for having us, the Meyer and Renee Luskin School of Public Affairs. Uh, we are so excited to be here. Any Mercs in the building? The Mercs are hot tonight. Masters of Urban and Regional Planning, is that right? Maddie, how, um, how many episodes do we have to do until we get an honorary Merc? Um, I mean, I think it's, a, I mean, here, you're going to have to come back every year, and then okay. 160 credit hours of podcasting? We're not going to have Yeah, no. Uh, Westwood, huh? It took us forever to get here. It sucked. I was going to say, uh, what? Full house at 6 p.m. on a Thursday. Polly Pavilion, eat your heart out. <laughs> <laughs> That's huge. Uh, yeah, do we? Our LA stories. Do we just want to talk about the the horrors of getting here? That's a good one. That's a good. Scott and I were racing on Twitter. I mean, not oh, yeah. Twitter, but you were. Uh, okay, yeah, I, I gave myself a head start. I decided to take the two, the Sunset Bus, which, if you listen to the show, you know I'm a devotee of. Uh, and uh, I took it all the way from Silver Lake to basically the front door here. I had Pine and Crane on the bus, which was good. That was the first time. Explicitly not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you can see it in. Um, Extra fragrant. I was, yeah, no, the, I was the person that people didn't want to sit next to, which was part of my plan. And here, not first, but second. I mean, Alyssa tried to beat me. Yeah, but Hayes left much earlier than us. I did leave a lot earlier. I was going to take a jump bike the entire way. <laughs> but I... So I scanned the thing on the jump bike, and then I thought you were supposed to do this for some reason. I jammed the lock mechanism back into the <laughs> bike, which shuts it off, makes it unusable, but it continues to charge me for, you broke I guess, you. forever. <laughs> You're still being charged right now. Yeah. yeah. Not, not I sent a report saying, hey, excuse bike. me, please stop doing this. <laughs> but why would they ever stop? <laughs> I also took a jump bike from my neighborhood to the 4th Street bikeway as long as it I could go. It kind of just stops, like a lot of bike lanes. <laughs> it's not a bike lane. Um, and then I went and down and got on the 720 bus, which was pretty good. Okay. You got, it's somewhat dedicated lane, somewhat, well, all their boarding, which I think it makes a big difference. And then once I got to Westwood, I jumped back on a jump bike. Mm. And I did not know where I was going, but the bike lane just ended up here, which I think is commendable to the UCLA. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I had no idea where I was going, which is egregious because we told you all to be here tonight <laughs> and had a lot, way more time than anybody else to figure out how to get here. But I have a really bad sense of direction. 
Uh, kind of like Marcus from Indiana Jones, the guy who gets lost in his own <laughs> museum. Marcus, yeah. okay. Sort of remember. I got off, and the bus stop is actually downstairs outside of this building, and I still had to kind of like wander in and then be shown to the door by somebody who is attending this event. <laughs> and then it was that yeah, door. Thank you, thank you so much. Uh, that, we, that's my struggle. We're here, we made it, we want to talk about uh, Westwood a little bit more, but later, we, so this is our first live show, we don't have a guest, we don't want to just sit here and pretend no one else is here. There's all these people here. Uh, and you guys are like in school to study these things. And so we would love for you to write down on your note card, some of you already have, just a big question about LA, about the city, something that you would be excited to come up here and talk about. We're gonna crowdsource the entire show. Yeah. Who's gonna pick the questions? Whitney, uh, do you want to pick the questions? <laughs> I think you're better. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we can just pick up. We can just roll through them, and we'll just All pick right. while we're up oh, here. I see. Okay. I was too loud. That's a problem when we record as well. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even have the microphones. I feel like you. Yeah, yeah. I overcommented. Yeah, now it's like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we will judge the questions that you provide, but probably wait till after. After, we, yeah. After we leave, yeah. we'll judge them. <laughs> um, now you're totally science. <laughs> um, she was trying to get you. Yeah, she got me. That made me certainly a lot louder. Did it do anything to Scott? Hello. Okay. Um, Westwood, I lived here for seven years. I still have a sense of existential doom every time I come back. Uh, what would you say, Alyssa, is the state of, of Westwood in 2019? Available retail space. <laughs> Westwood Boulevard, when I lived here, it was the same way too, and I could never figure it out. It is a, it, it's a wasteland. Yeah, there, there's been a there's like a huge restaurant space that's been open since like 2009. Like, what is going on? The, the no dancing law. There's a no dancing law. Yeah. I heard. Is it true that there is a class at UCLA that is about Westwood Village and like kind of why it's bad? Someone told me once. <laughs> I went to a seminar. I went to through Dana Cuff. You guys know who she is. An amazing. Um, architecture school like they did a big seminar where we got to come and talk to the students and walk around Westwood and then a bunch of like designers and architects planned like the Westwood like a cautionary of, tale well no it's a future looking it wasn't just like it was uh, they planned the Westwood of like 2028 so I got to write a story about what it was like when the subway arrived here and everybody was riding it back when the subway was supposed to arrive here before like 2020. Step one, put uh, an excellent public institution in the middle of a neighborhood and step two, <laughs> surrounded by people who frown whenever they see somebody <laughs> under the age of 70. <laughs> Eventually you will get to Westwood <laughs> On the way here, I saw a bunch of signs saying save Hillgard Avenue. <laughs> Hillgard Avenue, I guess, is about to be just like wiped off the map. They're really scared, and you would think they'd be, all these signs are outside like seven million dollar mansions, so it must be really bad if these people are like so scared. 
and I went to the site, and it's there's a building, I guess, going up that's not a dorm. It's like an expensive dorm uh, for. Do I have that right? It's like for wealthier students to 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 live in. Um, and they said it's like destroying the character of the of the neighborhood. Obviously, um, it's next to the neighborhood mom and pop business, the W Hotel. <laughs> um, and it casts. A, a shadow on, I guess, the w. yeah, the W by being the same size oh, as the it, W's right? pool, maybe. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> the integrity of W's pool. There was an article coming around the last, uh, like last week or so. I think it was in the Daily Bruin yeah. about how. When I wrote that here, I loved me. Yeah. Uh, 44 out of 72 property appeals filed in Westwood were filed by three individuals. Yeah. What does that mean? Like, what happens when you fire, file a property appeal? Basically, you're saying that you don't think the building should be allowed to be built as proposed. The developer has done something that is uh, arguably outside of the allowable code, or uh, potentially it might just be lowering your quality of life, or maybe you don't actually think you can win and you're just hoping to cost the developer enough money that they give you a little bit of cash on the side or scrap the project. Right. That process is sometimes known as green mailing. Green mailing. Yes. And it has worked very well in this area for it's, it's all over the yeah. Right. For a very long time. Um, do you get do you guys feel like Westwood is changing this feels like there's a lot going on here right now. Is it changing faster or slower than the rest of the the rest of the city? Are you asking? Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm asking you too. Okay. Uh, I do not feel like Westwood is changing faster than the rest of the city. I um, kind of maybe I should probably caveat by saying that I went to the University of Arizona, so I feel like I'm always super dour on UCLA. <laughs> but, um, but no, I, I mean I've lived I lived downhill from here uh, in Palms, and I think it would have been really great if I could have gotten to Westwood faster. Uh, that, of course, is never going to happen from Palms, but from downtown, you might be able to take the Purple Line in the next 10 years or so. Well, I, I was actually here. I don't think I've been to Westwood in a few years, except for I was here on Friday, right. which is interesting. Um, so I've been here twice now. And uh, I came up from the Expo Line, the Westwood station, where there is supposed to be like bike lanes or maybe density or something like that. <laughs> right. more people living around a major transit hub. Um, and was interested about the Google campus going in at the West Side Pavilion. Mm -hmm. What's that like probably three miles from me from the from Westwood Village to yeah. To Change the station. Is coming to the Apple Pan. So yeah, I feel yeah. that I was checking out the Apple Pan, still there. But I was thinking that that's that going to change a lot. At least the southern flank of Westwood. Right. That's going to be. But I don't know. Are they just who, who's going to? What is Google going to do? It's like '80s like mall architecture. Are they going to leave it? Are they yeah. Well, yeah. I would imagine that they are. And then is it gonna like come this way? I don't know. That's that, I, those are my deep thoughts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I will always just think of it as the place that uh, Brittany Murphy got saved by Cher's Aww. friend, who's a, like cool daddy-o. That's my <laughs> enduring memory of uh, of that particular mall. <laughs> uh, do you guys want to play a trivia game before we get questions? I didn't tell you we were doing this, but I was walking around and on these banners. So UCLA is. 
100th anniversary, something like that? Everyone's struggling their own. <laughs> uh, and they're proudly advertising that they're the fourth largest employer in LA County. And I thought, oh, it'd be fun to look up what the three largest employees are. That was not fun. It was very easy. <laughs> it's the county and oh, county, yeah. The county's number one. USC. USC is a little lower. It's the county, LA, USD, and the city. So I was like, that's boring. <laughs> but in the top ten are four private companies. Would you like to get not including USC? Uh, would you like to guess what those four private companies are? Anyone in the crowd can also scream stuff out. We have a hand raise, yes. Uh, Kaiser, Permanente. Kaiser Permanente is number one. 36,900 employees. And a lot of them are striking. Okay, well you can come up and talk about that in a, in a little bit. It is strike week. It's May meltdown time. I think maybe... Um, NBC Universal. NBC Universal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good guess because of the park. Oh, you know why that's maybe not a good guess? Is it not actually part of the county? It, it, it's like weird. Like it's like on, on every map, Universal City is like gray because it's oh, like, like it's its own carve out. It's like it's not part of the like federal government. <laughs> it's actually a whole thing. Let me think about Hogwarts. That. It's, yeah, that's right. It's part of okay, I was wrong. Disney. Disney is pretty high up there, but it's not as because high as these other Who else has a guess? I, I don't know. Providence. That. Providence is not, there are no more uh, healthcare companies. Grumman, <laughs> Norville Grumman, yes, is number two, 16,600 employees. Did we bring like Josh Bees to give to the people? Yeah, we should have brought some kind of pride, sorry. Would you like a seat on a podcast? <laughs> I see someone pointing and saying, you, you guess, say what your guess is. Do you want, you want to guess? I whispered Grumman to her before. Oh, uh, okay, so she wants him to tell us that you, that you actually did know first. Okay, well, it worked. <laughs> uh, next to our, uh, a very petty fan base. <laughs> wait, wait, are any of them entertainment? No, next to are retail. Retail? Yeah. Both uh, very important to the people in this room. Cashers. <laughs> Where do you guys go more than anywhere else? Anytime you need anything, you merps. Where do you go for uh, all your stuff? Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Amazon's like a five minute, it's a five minute walk to this place. Target. Target, correct. Thank you, Maddie. Uh, 15,000 for Target. That's surprising. There's and, that many Targets in LA County. Yeah, and there's across. Not like a, there's not like a, is there a corporate headquarters in Target? Maybe. No. no. I don't no. think so. No. Distribution? Someone knows for a fact that there is not. <laughs> yes, me. <laughs> uh, and this is uh, across the street from Target. Target. A little further up the street. Ralph's. 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 Thirteen thousand five hundred. Ralph's slash Kroger. Albertson's group. <laughs> uh, okay. We're going to start taking questions now. I really hope everyone is ready. Have we gathered any questions from the crowd? A single one. We said for two weeks on the show that we were going to be taking questions. And I recognize a lot of faces in here, and I am going to start just calling people up. 
Okay, we have one question, and it is from the Kaiser guy. Unnamed <laughs> <laughs> question. Yeah, okay, and this one is really long. Okay, here are a bunch. Okay, great. I'm going to pass these out. I'm going to start reading. Wow. Okay. This is an interesting one. This is good, too. Okay, this is going to be fun. Uh, okay. <laughs> this is a fun one. Now that Pete Buttigieg, yes. mayor of a Midwest college town, I like where this is going. Is getting lots of national press in the Democratic primary. Do you think that Mayor Garcetti is experiencing FOMO? Because <laughs> he decided not to run. So I would love to talk about. Anywhere, who, does someone do that? Does that person want to come up? Yes, that person. I would, who, who wrote that question? You yes, to, right. you don't have to, but you do have to. We didn't know we had this orange share for the guest, but now we have an orange share for the special guest. Hello. Hello. Welcome. What is your name? Yeah, tell us. My name's Marissa. Marissa. Hi. You're concerned about Mayor Garcetti's emotional state right now. <laughs> well, we, I am too. I think they were together that. today. They were together today. They were together today. today <sighs> and they were like, I just, all I know is that Mayor Pete uh, had some words about the Chinese tariff wars in like the language of what the tariff oh, war had been, like the, the <laughs> statement. He, he knows like what, like 50 languages. Right, I've never heard that. Has that ever been published anywhere? Oh, yeah. and, oh wow, that's really interesting. It was to him in a language. He just, he just learns that language. <laughs> he's like rogue like, from yeah, the next time. He's yeah. like, he absorbs language. And that is probably makes Mayor Eric <laughs> sound so, so weird. <laughs> Mayor Eric probably is pretty mad because Mayor Eric knows like four languages too. Yeah, and he's, aren't they both rogue scholars? Imagine every time he reads know, rogue think, scholar he, in French. I think he's like shouting at the TV like every Every night, like why? Yes. My my guess would be yes. He's probably experiencing a ton of FOMO right now, and I think probably tearing all of those articles out of the magazines and just being like, he doesn't even know how to break dance. What's the point of being like the poet laureate mayor of South Bend, Indiana, if you can't do the robot in front of your closest friends? Does Pete text Elon Musk? I think. Oh, right. Oh God, what if he's throwing in on that friendship yeah. as well? And he has not texting him. What kind of project anymore? would he be proposing? for South Bend would be my question. Tunnel. Just No, I can see it. Yeah, I definitely see that as uh, the beginning of a beautiful friendship where they just talk about how uh, neither of them's ever going to be president. <laughs> but this is, but, so this is the question that it does raise for me is that Buttigieg campaign seems to be going so well that had Garcetti decided to run, would it maybe have worked? Would it have put him in a position to like potentially be VP? Like it seemed like, but like was his mistake not announcing really early? Oh, like mayors get things done. Yeah, like the, the team. Yeah, announce super early. Yeah, so somebody yeah. else has to like basically pay you off to get mm. you out of the race. Mm. I think that's what he did though. That was kind of my uh, my. Who did they pay him off? Kamala. <laughs> For sure. And then there was an article about uh, just this past week about how uh, Buttigieg is starting to take away donors from Kamala. So 
You know, what do you, uh, interesting. What, what do you think Kamala bought him off with? If you were Eric Garcetti, what would you want to do in her administration? I don't know. Something right. that's extremely high profile and has little accountability. <laughs> Just let him sit in the chair sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, you hear all kinds of stuff about like the possible next steps for him. I, I've heard people say that he is kind of blocked out from being chosen by Newsom for a Senate seat because he didn't endorse Newsom early enough out of loyalty to Villaraigosa. Uh, reckless rumor monger. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, so you think he's been promised a potential seat in the cabinet? And maybe that applies to like Biden. You saw Biden yesterday. He was at King Taco, his favorite photo op spot. Why are they all here? Why are they all hanging out? Uh, the, the, the Hogwarts go to yeah go to Universal. Uh, no, Biden raised seven hundred thousand dollars. I, I do have to say, the given the fact that now we do have like thirty-five Democratic candidates running for president, I grudgingly have to give Garcetti a ton of credit for, even though he waffled and it was very embarrassing for everybody who lived here for a long time, <laughs> he eventually landed on the correct decision, which right. <laughs> you can say about, like, de Blasio. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> he got there. It took him time, but he's, he's the mayor. He's staying the mayor. Mayors. Why did you ask this question? Are you worried about the mayor? I, well, I was surprised when he decided not to run, but I was very happy. And uh, just with the news that de Blasio is thinking about running, I feel bad for New Yorkers. I wish that, I don't know, that they could have stopped de Blasio. That they could have stopped They can still stop him, right? They never really think, do they, the mayors? They never think about the secondhand embarrassment that the same I did find myself today seeing the pictures of Buttigieg and Garcetti. Because Buttigieg came to like speak in favor of Measure EE. Yeah. And I was kind of like starstruck. I was like, wow, our little town, Pete Buttigieg is going to be here. This guy is like in the middle of nowhere. It's working. It like it worked on me. Thank you so much for asking the question. Thank you for coming on. Oh, this looks like a good one. Maybe that. That's an interesting one. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. This one's like a... Someone asking explicitly for an endorsement for CD12. We were going to talk about that in our next episode, maybe. It's kind of dangerous to bring that up before we've actually talked about it. Um, it says, I understand if you're hesitant to dip your toes back into the endorsement pool since Villanueva went rogue. <laughs> I'm glad you understand. <laughs> I, I think I like this one or this one. Okay, this is a good one, too. Um, okay, great. If you had the millions to bankroll one ballot initiative to transform L.A. City or L.A. County, what would it be and why? That's from Anthony Weiss. You want me to come up, Anthony? Great. The double thumbs up. Only person who wrote his name on his card. <laughs> we have a rule follower. <laughs> Hi, Anthony. Hello. Hello. Are you a merp? I'm not. Oh, you're in the merp zone. Kind of. <laughs> they all sat together and they all showed up really early. <laughs> I'm a merp pretender. Okay, aspiring merp. All right, so 
one. So we only have millions, by the way. So aim high. Only, okay. Okay, millions. One ballot initiative could be city or county. I like the, the you know, broadening, um, being flexible about that. Um, did you have something in mind you wanted to talk about, or what prompted this? Wow, you're just deflecting straight. No, I'm just asking. I, I want to know. You have any ideas? I know no, I don't want him to propose it, but I want to know where it's coming from. Where are we coming from? Yeah. You want us to have more ballot measures, is what you're saying. <laughs> I feel like ballot initiatives are both the deepest problem with and the cure to all the problems with California. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting experiment. The total direct democracy. We we don't do direct democracy as Plan A, but it is kind of like the suicide switch that we have <laughs> in California, where uh, if things start getting a little bit too rocky, then the, the voters can just really go ham and, and fuck everything up. <laughs> uh, case in point, of course, is Prop 13, which in 1978 gave uh, the state, I, what was it, like two weeks to figure out whether or not they were going to be able to finance any services for the next budget year. That's direct democracy in action. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it definitely does allow for things that are popular, but outside of the, um, the bounds of acceptability within party politics to become um, part of our state culture, which is cool. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> yeah but you're talking about state stuff. So uh, let's think locally. At every level, it has the it's same LA potential to just. <laughs> What's the biggest, most impactful ballot measure that we have voted for in the last few years, or in our history, maybe? Would you say it was one of the transportation ones? Like Measure R? Measure M or R. Recently, I would have to say, yeah. probably Measure R. R was the better one. Um, and negatively sorry. impacting something like Prop U? Was that you? Yeah. How uh, many years ago was that? Like, that was in 1986, I want to say. Does everybody know what that is? Prop U? Uh, it's probably more. It affects your life <laughs> so negatively every second. Yeah. Uh, Prop U is Zev Yaroslavsky in the room. <laughs> <laughs> he's on the board of this, like, like he's affiliated with here somehow. He has an office, He has an office, Maddie says. Maddie's coming up to come to the floor. We're all together and we're going to the sixth floor. We're going to sit there. Uh, political lifer, Zev Yaroslavsky, president of a group within UCLA whose name I never took the time to learn. Uh, he is a retired former supervisor, city council member, and he really, really, really does not like it when you build houses for people to live in. If you already have a house, fine, stay in it, I guess. But uh, Prop U was something that him and people who were politically aligned with him in the 1980s put forward. It was part of what is known as the slow growth movement. Uh, this notion that LA was really peak LA in about 1946, and everybody who moved here after that is kind of just screwing it up for the rest of us. Uh, so, in order to accomplish that, citywide downzonings and uh, the characteristic development pattern of LA, where we have these uh, corridors on our boulevards, it really put a stop to any kind of building like that by saying they needed to have. Uh, a reduction in how much square footage they could have. And that's why you're much more likely to see a one-story grocery store with an enormous parking lot on a major boulevard like Sunset Boulevard right here uh, now as opposed to like a fourplex or whatever, which was the old mode of building things. So what about undoing Prop U? 
That's a good idea. Do you want to do that? Do I'm going to call it Proposition F-U. See, Lisa always fails it. You guys don't get a chance to see this at all. <laughs> I might, so I might, we can't do anything about Prop 13 on a local, on a city or county level, but we can... Uh, to kind of chip away at it with these parcel taxes, right? That's like basically what we're doing with Measure EE, taking, like forcing people to pay per people square foot. Not the garages, don't worry. But if E, everyone knows what EE is, right? Do you know? Yeah. Okay, LAUSD. LAUSD, LAUSD gets, well, how much is it per square foot? I don't know, like per square foot of your property. Uh, it's like a tax on homeowners and business owners uh, to LAUSD. I'm looking at this crowd, none of them own property. <laughs> it does not affect you. Uh, and I think they should do that for basically a, I was going to say, uh, like a supportive housing fund. But are you, uh, yeah, they, they could basically give to nonprofits the way they did for HHH, which has not built a single unit. So really, it's like a lot of it does come down to execution for a lot of these things. But like something like, a housing fund that could potentially HHH is all new construction. A housing fund that could buy up existing properties and then uh, convert some of them and have really long uh, affordability covenants uh, to just uh, like increase the amount of housing that wouldn't be quite as expensive to to build. I think that would be mine. What? Well, HH, the, the HHH has built some stuff. They're just not open yet, as far as right. They've all some have broken ground. Okay. We just don't have anybody living in the units yet. Right. The Sure. Yeah. They should open them. <laughs> that would be better to me. Uh, for my, this is a hard choice for me because I I used to actually be really against the ballot process because it does have the um, kind of Calvin ball effect of just you know you don't really know what you're gonna get when somebody is writing a law and doesn't necessarily know what any of the impacts are gonna be and then it gets really popular and it passes. There is a potential for bad things to happen like that, but. Uh, I've actually warmed up to it a lot in the past couple of years because the planet is frying and we need a lot more uh, rapid change than I think the current political system is uh, designed to handle. So I have a lot of ideas for this. And if I had to pick just one, it would be uh, an issue that is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, and that is allowing non-citizens to vote in elections in LA city and county. Uh, that's something where, uh, oh no, so I got applause for the leader of ours today. <laughs> that, is, that is a good one. Uh, no, I, I think this is, this is something that, it, I, I, I don't even know that it necessarily occurs to people uh, very often that it is something that could be done from a local level. Uh, there's potentially uh, there is potentially some change that would need to happen at the state level as well but I think that that is debatable or legally questionable mm -hmm. however not allowing people who are not citizens to vote in municipal elections uh, disenfranchises them for really only xenophobic reasons and classist reasons and you end up with uh, situations where well, I mean, to put it one way, I think just about 10% of the people who live in the city of LA are non-citizens. They're either permanent residents, legal permanent residents, or they're undocumented, or they fall into a variety of other categories. And they might be here for their entire lives and just not ever have politicians have to listen to any of their problems. So it's a big one. That's good. 
Anthony, what's your what's your core issue? Get it out there. Please, not some weird flat earth thing. <laughs> My pet issue, at least for this cycle, is I would love to see independent redistricting for LAC yeah. Council plus an expanded council. Yeah. 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 I feel like that's such a huge product of one. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. How many? How many districts? Go like 31. 31? Yeah. Chicago has 50. Too many. New York has 50. Exactly. It's too much. That's too many. 31 is the sweet spot. Not 31. Double, but one. Plus one. You got to double it, and then you need plus one so you don't have tie votes. Okay. Uh -huh. okay. okay. All right. <laughs> Great answer. Thank you, Anthony. <laughs> Wait, you, you, yeah, go ahead and pick the next one. This one or this one? You pick. Well, since we're talking about mayors, this question is, it's, you woke up, I'm just adding this, you woke up, it's 2022, and LA has a new mayor. Who is it? Um, that's a fun one. That's really Who asked it? Is Rick Caruso here? <laughs> <laughs> Come on up. <laughs> He did not put his name on. He's going to announce his campaign. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, Michael Bussey. Hi, Michael. Hi, Michael. Thanks for coming to the show. Thank you for the Who do you think it is? Great question. So, if I knew, I wouldn't have asked. But, uh, okay. <laughs> no, I think that... All right. <laughs> the reason I'm asking is just because I think that a lot of the, the people who have sort of inserted themselves into the local political process um, are either, you know, the, the typical city council people or these sort of boogeymen on the right, like yeah, like a Rick Caruso or something like that. Uh -huh. I'm wondering if there's if there's anybody else that you folks have in mind that might not be from one of those two two lanes. Okay, so it's not just who is it? Who we who would we like to yeah, it to be? Who are we nominating? So who's, who's most likely, and then right. if there's okay. a, a dream candidate. If we're, if we're trying to get somebody from outside of the normal channels, we right. would go with like an Alex Villanueva type. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. It's not enough power. Okay, well, let's, let's start with what we know to be true. Yeah. Speaking of our 15 little kings, or whatever we call them. Yeah. Uh, we know some people who are probably going to run or have expressed that they might want to run. Who right. are some of those people on council? Well, some are not currently on the council, but Mark Ridley Thomas uh, wants to switch, like is switching seats effectively with Herb Wesson to get on the city council to make it easier for him to run for mayor. You kind of, you do alive the fact that there is an election that takes place in there. <laughs> yeah, I think I just like, yeah. I mean, move some people around. <laughs> yeah, like, and he has some like decent competition in that election. That is the plan, yeah. uh, is for them to switch seats. Kevin DeLeon is running for CD14 downtown so that he very uh, likely he'll run for mayor. Can run for mayor, yes. Who else? Fewer. I would say, what? Oh, yeah, right. Mike Fewer, city yeah. attorney. Mike Fewer, city attorney. But in terms of the people that are currently on... I think... Oh, on Cal Joe. Mayor Joe wants to be mayor. <laughs> mayor Joe wants to be mayor. <laughs> mayor Joe Buscaino. Yeah, Buscaino. Joe Buscaino. I'm just testing out calling mayors by their first name all does. the time. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've just you, like, you can actually... Mayor Kevin is weird. <laughs> <laughs> They're all weird. Mayor <laughs> Kevin? <laughs> you can mayor go down... The list, and there are a bunch of uh, council members who have attached their names to rumors. Uh, I would say 
Uh, Bonin is one, at least before he had to go through the whole thing with the road diet hell. Uh, uh, let's see, Buscarino was one, Marquise Harris Dawson was another. Yeah. Weezar is for sure. Like, he's already gotten past the skin. Yeah, Tony, he wants to do the Trump thing where you get some kind of immunity for being mayor and you can't go to jail. Mendoza can run in the runoff to replace himself after he's just resigned. Weezar could totally run for mayor. Uh, that definitely could happen. Someone who I think would be good that doesn't seem to have a lot of interest in it necessarily is I think uh, Sheila Kuehl is one of our best locals. Sorry, Sheila. Uh, Yeah, I think is one of our uh, finest. And she's got so she's got celebrity pedigree. She would have Hollywood behind her, Mm -hmm. and she's done some really good things as a supervisor. I would say celebrity pedigree because she was on like celebrity. Yeah, she was on what Little House on the Prairie or something. No, it wasn't that show. It wasn't really. No, not it was something. She was a child star. Did you yeah. know? What show was she yeah. on? Dobie Gillis. Oh, yeah. Dobie Gillis. Thank you, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never heard of that show. Because you heard of Dobie Gillis? Grandparents. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but someone from outside of current electoral politics who's not Rick Caruso. Uh, yeah, who would the New York Times want us to believe would be running for me? Uh, Michael Weinstein. Yeah, Michael Weinstein. You, you, you spoke it into the universe. <laughs> <laughs> it is inevitable. <laughs> I mean, that to spend your money on that after so much success. But okay, you guys are you guys are dodging the question. Who is going to be the, the mayor in 2022? I think it has to be a woman. Or a non-male, non-white male, or, you know, I'm just putting that okay. out there in the universe. Is it Sheila? I think Sheila I would be really I don't, even, I, don't, I don't know if she has any... These county people love the county stuff. So they think that all city stuff is like a step down. What about uh, Nuri? She's the, Nuri Martinez is taking over for Weston as council president. So okay. that's, that's a maybe That's a stepping, stepping stone. stone. Yeah. yeah. I like Nuri. She could do it. I like Nuri. I think that would be good. I think it would probably be fitting to have her with her experience and coming from like the valley and having mm-hmm. like a little bit diversity of experience from like CD13 all yeah. the time. I would like to see, uh, in terms of someone who hasn't emerged, I don't know who this person would be necessarily, but like someone over the next year or so emerge from like the suns- Sunrise Movement or something like that, like a, like a full-on climate activist. And like a uh, full-on like socialist, is what you're saying too? Is, is that what the Sunrise Movement is? That, it is. It's like, yeah, it's like, like a, a, I mean, you basically have like to be to do the kind of climate activism right. that the city needs to so meet its climate goals. we have like amazing local... Uh, so, I know like the Sunrise Movement has like a, a local, they put on an amazing event like a few weeks ago and have been putting the pressure on with the Green New Deal, but what if it's like a 20-year-old... The, I don't know. Are there age restrictions? In the charter? I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, okay, 20, 2022. 20, 25, I don't know. I'm just guessing. We don't know. This. <laughs> 2022, I, I, I think that I would not be surprised if we ended up with... Uh, her blessing as the mayor. I don't. Uh, I don't see inspiring candidates out there. Before you hit the audience. No, I mean there there are not actually at this point in time, and maybe there will be some that that come up down the line. But there aren't that many inspiring people that have indicated they have an interest in this job. We're not like super close to it, so it, it, it makes sense that only people with a lot of money are coming out right now, but it's not looking great. 
Was that satisfying to you, Michael? I think that we're just going to have to wait and see. Might be someone in this room. Yeah. I was going to say myself. Yeah. I'm your super PACs now. I don't fit a list of criteria, so someone else. Yeah. All right. Sorry, dude. Thank you. Um, oh, that one's really long. That is really long. And it's angry. <laughs> uh, okay, here we go. We're here at UCLA. So as a graduate student, I'm going to put them on blast. UCLA has done a terrible job providing affordable housing for graduate students, the driving force before their academic research prestige. How much did LA as a city work with UCLA to provide affordable housing for grad students? But I'm just a South Campus person, so I know nothing. I don't know about South Campus, but, <laughs> but who wants to come up and talk about that? Yes, come on up. UCLA, get ready. No earthquake retrofitting can prepare you for the blast that you're about to be. I, I, how many of you live on or very close to campus? Is it hard? Is it hard to live on or close to campus? Yeah. yeah okay. So, um, and then what you were talking about this luxury housing for students. Yeah. Tell me, do you know about this building that's going up on Hillgard? Um, I didn't know about the building, but okay. I didn't know that like the Weyburn Terraces is sort of like the, it was supposed to be the answer to a lot of the housing problems uh -huh. for graduate students. Um, and they kind of justified it like, oh, we're going to set it at market price. And then it just ends up being like, well, there goes the majority of my income. And like, right, right? like you guys probably understand, like, so there's like South Campus housing, which is where I live, but I only got in because I knew somebody who was leaving there. And there's like, there's just no is, is that like uh, the, the rent is controlled in some way? Controlled in some way. It's, yeah. I don't exactly understand how it works. It's not subsidized, but I can like I can afford it. Like it's like under a thousand a month. Did you tell us your name? Do you want to tell us your name? Oh yes. You don't have to. Exactly. No one wants to. <laughs> <laughs> you just saying like out loud that you live in a place that costs less than a thousand dollars a month in Westwood give me chills. So I'm gonna be in there when you get home. <laughs> Westwood, that's kind of a caveat. I, I live in like Palms, Culver City. Oh, that's uh, South Campus. Downhill. 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 Right. So that's where the. When it rains, all the runoff gets <laughs> like the South Campus. Uh, how would that? How would that work? Yeah, I mean, it does seem like it's like UCLA is in one of the highest income neighborhoods in the city. Well, you could start by upzoning the area around the Expo Line station. And yeah. building housing along that corridor as you're coming up, you know, Westwood. I thought that we had so much apartment space in Westwood that we were going to, like, house half the athletes in the world in UCLA <laughs> in a couple of years. Is that not still the plan? Is that, that was the Olympics, right? They're, you're going to live in the dorms? That's just hypothetical, Scott. That's not... Yeah, well, so that's the question, I mean... So your question is actually, should the city, like, force this to happen? Because is UCLA, it's a state, are we on one of those, like, zone, gray zones? Are we on state property right now? I mean, it, it is more of a California thing, but it feels very much like a, a uniquely L.A. problem. Not uni uniquely, but it is very specific to UCLA. Um, mm -hmm. And it just feels like nothing's happened. Like, it's just, like, pulling teeth to get anything to change. So... I think I think LA needs to step in, like yeah. to to help. 
Well, luckily, uh, council member Paul Koretz, who represents this neighborhood, loves bringing low-income people into his district to, to live here. So you should have a, like, a, a, well, I'm sure his door is always open if you go into his office, and he would love to be put on blast about this. How does, I mean, like, USC, I think, well, that's like Rick Caruso's domain, right, too, so he's, right. he's, he's paying for it. But, like, how does that relationship work with the city? Anyone with, like, UCLA, I mean, USC knowledge? Does the city cooperate and try? Read the room. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just, that was super offensive. But I, I just, what's our responsibility as a city to... Yeah, we should be helping. Well, what the city is doing around USC is building hotels right, and exactly. a lot of yeah, like, and condo like, housing. Huge tax yes. breaks to the hotels, and I, and they're building like a lot of like malls and stuff that has maybe some benefits for students, right. but it's mostly like turning it into like a medieval looking faux medieval like towers. Um, right. But excellent. But so I, I would say our efforts should go to helping you know city colleges since it's a city, the mm -hmm. uh, city's property and domain, and there were these horrific statistics about how many city college students were homeless or you know, didn't, weren't getting enough to eat, so I would... It applies, too, to uh, UC students. Oh, I mean, I'm sure yeah, it does, yeah. To a lesser extent. I'm more, I'm curious about the uphill-downhill thing going on at UCLA. <laughs> what, what's, what does North Campus mean to you? <laughs> <laughs> well, North is sort of like, it's like the humanities liberal arts, whereas South Campus is like just thought of, oh, it's the sciences, like you don't, yeah. I mean, I did not know where this building was, even though I've been going to the school for three years, <laughs> because I, I don't leave the geology building. Right. I mean, that's it's nice up here. Yeah. I like it. The statue come to life at night. Yeah. My office flooded on Monday. Oh, no. But that's like, that's just nature, man. <laughs> yes. You're like a, you're a geologist. It's like you have to deal with it. Yeah, you have to learn <laughs> what it's like to have. I love property damage. <laughs> Uh, okay. I would say we should call Paul Koretz, maybe. Yeah, we should call we should, him right Everyone now. in this room should call Paul Koretz tomorrow and say that this is something he needs to take a bigger stand on. Because also he's siding with a lot of the neighbors in the oh, yeah. nearby that have fought like housing projects that I've written about that were only even like eight units where the neighbors have gotten together to stop it. Oh yeah, they're, they're very vocal, in, especially with UCLA housing stuff, like they, they show up to like our meetings. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't ask your name. Oh, oh, oh it's, yeah, I it's did. Ashley. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ashley. Thanks. Better call Paul. Better call Paul. That's good. No, good episode title. Yeah, that's, that's good. Be. <laughs> I mean, also like, the formation of the new uh, neighborhood council here. If yeah, do we have any Westwood North uh, representatives here? Like, that is a huge step forward. No, you guys don't know your neighborhood council. Are you kidding? Nobody knows. The no, I, think they, nice I think they don't want to like out themselves or kind of just like, you know, they're yeah, like, it's they an underground cool, resistance. Like, yeah, it's more like fight the um, here's a good question. Lots of construction in Culver City, especially, specifically downtown Culver. Why hasn't development extended to South LA, and why doesn't anyone challenge Mayor Garcetti and his lack of investment slash attention in South LA? Where, where's that coming from? Could, would you like to come up and talk about this? Now we, I was worried we would have zero questions, and now we have yeah, too we have many. So many. Hi. Hi. What's your name? Tell us your name. Yolanda. Yolanda. Uh, this is an interesting question uh, because it is kind of a 
divisive one for a lot of people where like it's a specific kind of development attention that we're looking for in, in South LA, I think. And not necessarily the kind that is coming to Culver City in some cases, right? Like what are your feelings about those? Yeah, so I live in the area. I'm half a mile from the La Cienega and Jefferson metro station. Mm-hmm. So there's the big ass high rise. Which is great. Yeah. And hopefully that'll bring more retail for people to maybe be encouraged to walk to buy things instead of hopping in their car. So I yeah. like the idea, but I'm also like, you know, I think I'm like the only person or few person of color out here. So I'm like very mm-hmm. sensitive to right. economic development and opportunities to, you know, progress. And I don't see that, but in Culver City, it's, you know, Netflix is coming there. Um, yeah, there's a lot of tech. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of tech companies. Coming. And um, there's, I mean, yay, they're building the Crenshaw one. Maybe it'll open up sometime. Right. It keeps getting <laughs> And maybe that Summer will be yeah, what year. will encourage <laughs> I, some construction or more, more substantial <coughs> economic opportunities for people in that area. But, so. I have bad news on the expo line front in terms of getting people out of their cars. You ride the expo line now, and all the development I see on either side is parking garages. Yeah, you're like at eye level with parking garages, parking garages the whole way. Yeah, and I don't know how this happens, but... It, I do. Okay. I think it's maybe Paul Corrette's. <laughs> <laughs> Those aren't actually in Culver City. They're almost all in LA City. Okay. A few of them are in Culver City. Yeah. So, and something like related to affordable housing on campuses and around like USC and UCLA and in South LA that I think they're sort of trying to address at the state level is that the city is not allowed to build its own uh, public housing. It can't build housing that is dedicated for low-income people because of a pretty explicitly racist law that was passed in 1950 called Article 34, which says that if you want to build housing that's dedicated for low-income people, it has to go on the ballot and everyone in the city has to vote on whether that building is allowed to go And not go just up. the people in that area? No, just, like, yeah, just, right? Just, the, like, whatever city it's in. Whatever jurisdiction it's okay. in. Uh, it, it, and it's, it's interesting, too, because there are ways that, uh, there are ways to get around that. That's been in place for uh, 60 years, is that yeah. right? Like, since the 50s. Uh, and... Basically, the city of LA can still be a participant funder of affordable housing. Um, the Garcetti administration has not made that a central element, I, and that's not to say they're doing nothing, uh, but they haven't made that kind of development a central uh, push within their uh, with, within Garcetti's time in office. He's really looked at uh, revitalizing downtown expanding metro, preparing for the Olympics. These are all things that are, if not counter to the development of uh, affordable housing directly, they're certainly not uh, pointed in the right direction to get there. Uh, I think that the lack of what we hear on a daily basis as far as pushing Garcetti to uh, support the development of community amenities in South LA is kind of just, well, part of it is what I was talking about earlier. There is an extremely high concentration of disenfranchised people who live in South LA. Uh, Politicians will not even be a little bit shy about the fact that they care less about what the people in those parts of town think. Um, 
of the biggest uh, political movement that we've seen in South LA and in the black community in LA in recent years is about, um, you know, not getting shot at traffic stops. And it's like, it's kind of like, that's where we're at right now is, please don't kill us. And then that's like such a far back place to be starting that then the building of an actual uh, positive political program to improve the communities in which those people live, uh, that just hasn't even been able to be prioritized at this point, which is, which is rough. That's really right. unfortunate. And I remember during the Measure S debates, ballot measure, RFP, um, where uh, like Councilmember Harris Dawson was like, we have to fight this ballot measure because we want people to invest in South LA and this will like decimate the chances. But then you look at what's happening, say, in Inglewood, which you can actually kind of study as a little bit of a microcosm because it is one of these like small cities. And a development was proposed there that nobody really seemed to have a choice about. And now it's being, it's really like, you know, creating upheaval in this in the city when it comes to rent prices and everything rent, rent rents and everything so how do we lure the right type of development and make sure that it's what people want and then they've done some great community plans in the area to make sure there is inclusive housing and you know right to remain and things like that but but how do how, who is going to make, be making those decisions and is the council member in the area being active enough to to bring it there would be my question that, I mean, this is part of the Article 34 thing is like the city can be a participant funder in something, but they have to get a willing nonprofit developer. They have to buy land at like market rates, which are incredibly expensive. Uh, and the city, the council members can stop a project at any time for any reason, but they can't really initiate one right. just like through their own authority, right. which is like they talk all the time about local control. Local control is so important. We want total control over everything that goes on in the city. These people like are desiring of power for every purpose except for building housing that people can live in in the city. Uh, like in New York, they have the city housing authority where like hundreds of thousands of people live. Those units are horribly maintained. But like, if the city really wants to become a city and seize control over its own destiny, I think you have to find some kind of way to seize power over the ability to like build housing from from scratch. In it. And and I think um, it's really important to know that uh, the that Eric Garcetti just doesn't have the interest in in that particular path. That's not a political path that he's interested in taking. Even if Article Thirty Four were not. Uh, an obstacle, we would not see the city of LA undertaking a, uh, a public housing home building program under this mayor. Uh, if we can look at the things that he's actually done in terms of housing, uh, or even as the Metro board chair, which he was uh, a year ago, two years ago, um, the things that he have, has done have all been about um, what is referred to euphemistically as innovative financing, which in reality means um, getting the private sector to take on service provision, um, entering into partnerships that are long-term and give private companies a lot of leverage over things that are public goods. So that's the complete like how they like how the Iraq War operated. Mostly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, basically, yes. It is it is mercenary service provision. If you want to consider the conducting of a war a service provided, <laughs> um, it's very it is very much in that model though. Um, and so uh, we are seeing like public private partnerships be a very large part of what the Garcetti administration has focused on uh, in terms of incentivizing development. 
the way that they have chosen to do that is by offering tax breaks for the uh, siting of major hotel chains in downtown. Uh, and they'll do that by um, basically by saying the city of L.A. has these taxes on the books over a 30 year period. If this building were built, we would collect, uh, say, 40 million dollars from you. We're going to let you keep $20 million of that because we think that if we charge you all of the taxes that we have, uh, then you just wouldn't build this project. So There's also the federal yeah. tax breaks, so there's the Opportunity Zones, which I read a wonderful story in the LA Times, um, LA Times corner over there, uh, a few days ago about how Nipsey Hussle was using the Opportunity Zones and getting the investors to get together to you know, invest and get those tax breaks where normally it's like people from outside of your city are just, you know, taking advantage of the opportunity zones to invest and get these tax breaks. So more local organizing to, I don't want to say, you're not exploiting it really if you're local, but making sure that you're getting ahead of, you know, people who could potentially exploit your own community. At the risk of really soapboxing here. <laughs> um, and why not? Uh, uh, yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, this is what happens when you put me on a slightly elevated <laughs> uh, what, what we are, I think it's, it's important for everybody in this room to be clear-eyed about this. As a city, what we're doing right now is we are saying to, as a city, excluding even the, the state and the federal context, we're saying, uh, Businesses, your taxes are too high. We're going to reduce those over a period of, of years or decades. Um, but on, at the other, on the other hand, uh, Garcetti also sits in the room in Metro where we are raising taxes. So people who actually buy goods, which is normal people, are paying higher sales taxes um, and they're going to cut public transit service. So like we're in this really nasty death spiral of taxes going up and services getting cut um, while at the same time we're also privatizing services and uh, having uh, hotels not have to pay the amount of taxes that they should be paying for the services that go for everybody. So that's that's what we're doing currently and that's why we're not seeing like massive public investment. That's right. <laughs> uh, did I answer your question? I'm sure it did. You <laughs> have all the answers now. <laughs> Thank you so much, Yolanda. That was great. We have a couple more minutes. We can blow through some of these really fast. I don't want to uh, end on that uh, <laughs> note as sad as that. So here's a fun one. Part of this is a trivia question. What are all the what are the names of all the cities that share a border with City of LA? Which one should it annex? That's fun. That is a fun one. That's really fun. I have a quick answer to that question. Who asked? Yeah, who is that? You. This is not one of your classes. Yes, Beverly Hills. Come on, come on. Come on, come on. Oh, teacher. A teacher becomes the student. <laughs> uh, let's see if we can do this. All right. Let's introduce. You introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Pavo. Pavo. <laughs> teacher here at UCLA Luskin School of Public Affairs. Please don't tell them what I said. <laughs> share, share a lot of the feelings. <laughs> All right. Things that neighbor LA. Yes. Alphabetically. Oh, no. <laughs> We played really this knows. once on the show. On a, that was all we were training all we the 88 cities. You guys went back and forth. Yeah, yeah. and I lost once again. Culver City. 
Yeah, we can start with the city. Okay, but like, what? Can I just ask this? Since you are somebody who studies like housing and transportation, what's your agenda here? She wants us to annex a city. Yeah, but what are we trying to get? I think it's an interesting question. I mean, I obsess about metropolitan fragmentation and spatial inequality, and so I think that, you know, I don't think it's clearly a. My students are laughing. <laughs> I don't think it's clearly a good idea for LA to annex every other city in the county, but it's worth a thought. Have you ever been trying to, <laughs> so trying to ride the 720 in the dedicated bus lane for down Wilshire, and then suddenly you have to move out of it right. as soon as you cross the Beverly Hills so border who, and then who move do you back think in? would be most easily conquered, is my <laughs> We'll get to that. <laughs> okay, so we got Beverly Hills, we got Culver City. We don't want Beverly Hills, do we? We've got... I don't. Hayes does. I do. West yeah, Hollywood. just location-wise. You're mean ones that we West surround, Hollywood, that we have Santa surrounded. Monica, uh, El Segundo? Is that right there? Ooh. South of... <laughs> <laughs> we got some gundo in there. <laughs> okay, so, okay. I would say West Hollywood, the, the West, what's it, like the, the WeHo... West Hollywood's not that much territory. I know, but I'm just saying that's an easy one. Like, that's an easy it used one. to be part, you know, we're, that's, not a consideration. Know, that's pretty easy, I think, right. to get that one. And then if we wanted Beverly Hills... You know, just to like get get that too. If we took El Segundo, just for transportation, we could so. give a, a little bit of pride back to our, our friends, the journalists. <laughs> <laughs> um, Santa Monica would be Santa Monica. One. Yeah, what is what's, what's surrounding uh, the valley? What's surrounding the valley? We got Glendale. Glendale. Uh, well, no, that's a yeah, but uh, Burbank and San Glendale. San Fernando. We don't San go over. San Fernando. That guy just wants the whole valley. In many ways. So the clear answer is Rancho Palos Verdes. <laughs> yes, that's right. Rolling Hill. I mean, that whole peninsula. Oh, yeah. Right. It touches we need to get the, the peninsula on that. Okay. Yeah. But they have the high ground. <laughs> the war. Yeah. yeah. It's all about, like, LA's topography. There's only, like, 20 people there. <laughs> yeah, but you would, the like... most underutilized land in the city. Triple the number of Trump voters in the city. <laughs> <laughs> Part of the challenge. Um, what about Long Beach? I mean, Long Beach, we already kind of like have to share the port with them, and like that's kind of a bummer. So yeah. like, we got to go for the smaller ones. This trying to conquer places Long Beach as far is away as even like Atlanta. So we could get real big and be very powerful if we have Long Beach. I'm picking Elsie Gundo. Who's got what? Take the board of supervisors' power away. <laughs> oh, is that your agenda? <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking unincorporated Westmont so we can have a red line extension. Oh yeah, what about all the unincorporated parts? Sure, all the way down to the Harbor Gateway. I mean, that was my other idea was to LA and Can we take like East? I was going to say, am I allowed to take the VA? <laughs> and Universal City apparently. Like yeah. that, we've gotta get that back. Yeah. That's if you take free the minions, where are you gonna go to get your passport done? Because <laughs> <laughs> it has to be it has that. to be Oh. So just to, before I go, uh Following on the Westwood comment, and has it changed? I just wanted to give this great anecdote and connect it to the student housing. So on UCLA's building student housing, we have a plan to build, I think, 4,000 units. Uh, we're, we don't get to have to get approval from the city council, 
we do have to do an EIR. At the meeting of the EIR, this gentleman was there who had sued a project on the lot 35 years earlier, and nothing had been built on that lot for 35 years. The school, the, the campus is finally building some student housing there, and he was there to kind of still, you know, it was going to block his view. It was a sequel loss. It was a sequel issue because it was going to block his view of historic Westwood Village. Is it Ashley that asked that? Yeah. So where were you 35 years ago? <laughs> you should have thought about that before you wanted college housing. <laughs> Well, you've given me a lot to think about as I ride the bus. I know. I was almost too eager to answer. I mean, that is like the huge bummer of living in LA is you go like two blocks over and they're like really nice trees and the sidewalks are perfect and you wish that you could live there until you look for an apartment there and then you realize that you don't want to live there. I'm just totally talking about Santa Monica right now. <laughs> I, I think that's a, it's a really unique thing. They don't want you either. So. Yeah, I know. They don't. Especially not after that comment. But I think that is, we do have an interesting relationship with our city in that way that you can go visit these other cities in a day, in the same day and dream about what it would be like. Well, that was, my other question was, should you be able to vote in cities that you work in but don't live in? Oh, this was the neighborhood council uh, policy. Wow, that's... Two receipts. Yeah. Two receipts. Should you be able to vote in a city or state that you made two purchases? I think, like, Pavo for mayor, probably. I <laughs> really thought about this. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's a great, I mean, because the way the city works is you spend way more time in the place where you work for the most part than where you live, which is where you just sleep for the most part after driving for three hours. Would you rent, would you rent to your city council person in the city you work in and then they say, oh wait, you're not a resident, I don't care about you. Uh, I would have to say, that to return to our friend Paul Gratz, it, I'm, glad, I'm glad that... West Hollywood is not part of the city of LA, or it would be a lot less fun to go there. <laughs> so, that's one we probably don't annex. I think they, you should not be able to vote in the city where you work, but you should be able to live in the city where you work. <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for, for coming out tonight. Thank you, Pablo. We'll for all the big questions.